Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, back here at the big show. Glenn Ordway, Michael Holly, Cedric Maxwell is our third man in for the first couple of hours. Then he'll head over to the garden and get ready for tonight's broadcast. Time for Danny Ainge, our weekly get-together with the uh, president of basketball operations of the Celtics, brought to you by SBLI, dependable, no-nonsense life insurance. At a price you can live with, call 888-GET-SBLI or visit SBLI.com. And by Comcast Business Class. Mr. Ainge, how are you doing today? I'm good, Glenn. Cedric, yes, Mike, sir. how are you guys today? Fine, Dan. All right, before doing we, great. Hey, before we get into the uh, game, give us a little uh, play-by-play. Apparently, we've heard from different people. Sources. That, uh, sources, little moles. That when the game was over last night, you had kind of a uh, heated conversation with Joe Borgia right outside the officials' locker room. He's the vice president of referee operations. How did that go? I wouldn't say it was a heated conversation. We, were, we, we actually weren't talking about the Rondo call or the Pierce call or any of that stuff. We were talking about the way that the rule, the, the breakaway rule or, or the clear path rule is written. Um, so it was a discussion more on philosophy of, you know, just where our game has gone on, on that interpretation and that rule specifically. But I, I would not call it a heated discussion. Joe and I have known each other for years, and we were, we were having a debate on how that should be written. But that's probably a conversation that we'll have again this summer. All right, how do you, how do you deal with it? You obviously can't go out and blast the officials. Doc did the same thing. He was very careful, though, kind of led in and allowed to try to get the media to talk more about it. It doesn't help you to do that. On the other hand, you've got to look at the first two games, the five T's in the first game, and then some of the calls the other night and say to yourself, especially a guy who's played the game, come on. I mean, what's going on? And people are talking about it, not only here, Danny, but nationally, which is unusual. This is not just Tommy Heinsohn and the Tommyites, you know, uh, complaining about the officials. This has been now a conversation for the last 48 hours across the country? Well, no. You know, hey, I'm here at the NBA Draft Combine in Minneapolis right now getting ready to jump on a plane. And, uh, you know, there was a lot – I think just about every player from – or every uh, management person from every team said something to me about it as well. You know, it's just part of the game. And if, you've been, if you're in this game, it just happens. I mean, we have other things to worry about. We've got other issues. We've got to rebound better and defend better and – and, uh, you know, make some more shots, find, find ways. And, um, I mean, that's what really what our focus needs to be on. You talked about uh, all the other things you have to worry about in your mind. What's, uh, what's the top priority? What's number one for you in, in turning this series around? You know, I, I don't ever look at it. Um, you guys got to break down the games. But I, I've, I've always believed, and I still believe, um, that it's attitude. And it's a, the way you go about the game, the confidence in which you play and the, uh, how you defend. Are you instigating the physical play? Are you reactive? Uh, you know, those kind of things are way more important than any one thing. And I, I think that that's all you can do is, you know, uh, we follow Rondo's example of how he came out 
to play the last game. And we all play that way and play with confidence and, and aggression. And uh, I like our chances. Well, one thing you saw, Danny, was that it, it seemed that, to me it started out kind of with Paul Pierce being aggressive with uh, LeBron James. And I, I think that he has to continue that because I think everybody kind of looks at him as, as that person. If you, if you talk about the other team and the opposition and the leader of that team is LeBron James, then you got to cut off the head. And, and then the, the body kind of dies. Well, you know, I, I think that's true That's true generally. But I, I, I think that it's per- that's a lot easier said than done. I mean, that's like saying cut off the head of Michael Jordan or Magic Johnson. Hey, that's what we did, damn it. <laughs> we cut the head off. We went we went right at we went right at Magic. We went at the top and then everybody else dies. Well, I mean, if I recall, we you know, we won in seven games on a, on a battle and you know, we lost the next year trying to do the same. I mean, what I'm saying is is that you can have success play. for times against the great players. I didn't I didn't play like Danny. Me. Danny, I didn't play in that series. That's why you lost. <laughs> I, I can't hear Max. Uh, Danny, good. Danny, I, Danny, I didn't play in that series. That's why you lost. Oh. Did <laughs> <laughs> you play in 85? Uh, no, I did not play in 85. No. I didn't and, play. And, guess what? And, and, then, and then Red ran him out of town. <laughs> and, and, Larry, and Larry still won't forgive him for it. Well, hey, well, you know what they say? The most important ability is availability. Oh, <laughs> wow. Thank you, Doc Rivers. <laughs> all right, Danny, what you saw the other night from Rajon Rondo is something that uh, we've all been looking for for a long time, and I'm not expecting him to go out there and hit 16 of 24 and score 44 every single night. But when he does take that outside shot, when he does take the ball to the hole, when he does become a bigger force scoring for your team, doesn't he change everything out there on the floor? You know what it what it does a lot is it sort of takes away the myth of what people have been saying about Rajan for you know, that the critics of Rajan for a few years that, you know, he the only reason he's a good player is because he's right. got the big three. And uh, what you've seen from Rondo in this playoff series is he's had his greatest moments when the big three weren't playing at the top of their games. And, you know, in Ray's case, he's not, you know, the same player that he once was with his, with his injury. But, um, you know, Rajon, I, I would like to see him do that all the time, even when he's not making those shots all the, like he was the other night. I always think he needs to take that open 15-foot shot. I think it's it's a, it's a very important part of the game. It's hard to pass up shots when you're open, but he is so gifted at finding that, you know, Brandon Bassford, that same shot, or KG, that same shot at the end of the clock, that sometimes I think he's sort of, there's a conflict there. I mean, I, I, I coached Jason Kidd for three years, and Jason had the same issues as a young point guard where, you know, once he decided to just take the shot, he, he became better, much better player. Uh, Danny, one of the things I really look at in that game is, man, 53 minutes for Rondo. Every minute of the game and also overtime, it, it, even with him, it, 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 there's, there's something where he, you know, he's just beyond others because I, it just seems superhuman to go that long and be that strong at the end of the game, even at his age. Yeah, no, he's he, he's special. I mean, we all know that. And, you know, what, what, what other that he the other thing that he has to do is, you know, guarding Chalmers the other night, I thought that uh, Miami did a really good thing in that game, and they were running a lot of pick and rolls with LeBron setting the screens on Rondo and Chalmers. It really freed up Chalmers because Paul was guarding LeBron and was trying to give, you know, Rajon a little bit of help, 
but, you know, was very concerned about getting back to LeBron. And that really freed Chalmers up. And I thought that was the key to Chalmers' success was um, the screens that LeBron was setting on Rondo. So that's just another element of that 53 minutes you're talking about of having to chase guys over screens on top of that. Danny, what's your analysis of what's happened with Ray Allen this postseason? Doesn't look like the same guy. The numbers say he's not the same guy. He's made some big shots, but it's not the Ray Allen that we're used to. What do you see? He's hurt. I mean, I've seen the guys going through physical therapy and getting injections just to get out there on the court. I mean, Ray is trying to do all he can for us. And, you know, it looked better last game. His shot had a little more lift. He made some shots. He made a big shot to tie the game. I mean, Ray's doing everything he can. It's, it, you know, Ray, Ray is, is not done as a player. He's got a lot of basketball left in him, but he's got chips in there that need to, need to be fixed when, this, when the season's all over. And, and uh, it's just unfortunate the timing of the injury. I, I know you're not a doctor. I'm certainly uh, not a doctor. But you, you mentioned, and we all saw it, he had more lift last game. Is it just a, from, from what you've heard from your own doctors, Dr. McKee and everybody else, is it just a random thing? Some games he's going to feel better and other games, no rhyme or reason, he won't have the lift that he had in game two? Oh, yeah. There's a definitely a pain issue that he's dealing with. And there's, there's moments where he feels really good when he comes out, gets warmed up. And, and then, you know, in the second half, it, it, the pain returns. So, yeah, I think uh, I don't know what the reasons are. I don't know if the, the fragments in the bone uh, or in the ankle joint actually shift or move during at certain times. But, um, yeah, he has moments where he feels much less pain than others. No, no, dis, no disrespect. No disrespect to the ball. To, but the bottom line here is, thank you, Stephen uh, A. Th- that you know the Celtics can't win this thing. I mean, you hear critics over and over again who don't know the game, and they hit you with that. And, and I just don't understand. I, I guess I understand, but but it, it just seems crazy how. Well, one of those critics was Charles Barkley. He knows the game, doesn't he? <laughs> well, that's that's Danny's buddy. And, and, you know, he's said that before. It's almost like they are taking, you know, not looking at this team in in a whole. And, and just you're really just taking it apart right now saying this guy's old and not taking what the heart of a champion could do. No, I agree. Listen, I think that there's there, – our guys have shown over and over again over these last five years what they're made of. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've – I'm proud of how these guys are playing and how they played last game. I mean, we didn't finish it off. And, and you know, tonight will be another major test. Mm-hmm. We're playing, they're playing a very good team. And, you know, we have to play great basketball. When we beat them in the regular season, it, was, it wasn't because we were always better. It was like we, we really rose to the occasion and stepped it up and played great games. Miami brought the best out in us. And I'm hoping they bring the best out in us tonight. All right, you talked about attitude, approach, it's the least of my worries about this basketball team based on what I've seen. They have tremendous pride, and from a mental standpoint, I don't believe for a second their heads are dropping from what happened the other night. On the other hand, here they are playing another basketball game in less than 48 hours apart, and they are, as you said, they're beaten up. Uh, should we be concerned about that physically, whether they can come back and, and, and do this here tonight? Well, that's what everybody said on Wednesday, when Tuesday and Wednesday after we lost the first game, you know, we and uh, with not much time in between, and that's that's what I mean. I mean, I I'm, I believe that we'll see if that's true or not. I I think that our guys will play a great game tonight, and I can't wait. It's going to be an exciting game. 
You said you're at a uh, draft combine, uh, draft scouting session, uh, or whatever it is. Uh, I know you said something like that. Where uh, we, we were talking about this the other day. How would you fix the lottery if it needs to be fixed? I think um, if I were commissioner for a day, I would I would not have a lottery. I would have a set draft um, where everybody got a top six pick every few years. I mean, a top ten pick, and you do, and you would keep the draft the same. So everybody gets the draft number one pick every thirty years. Everybody gets the number two pick every thirty years, and so forth and come up with an algorithm or formula of some sort where it's equal and there's absolutely no benefit or rewards for losing games. How would you feel about that if, let's say, it was Miami's chance to get the first-round draft pick this year for next year? How would you feel about that? They already had LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh coming back. If a great team, a team that you had to challenge within your conference, is sitting there to get the number one pick. Well, I think that over it's the same for everybody. It's the same opportunity for everybody. You know, it puts, a, it puts an onus on making good decisions. And obviously, like in any business, any business of success, there you, you got to get have some luck and good fortune come your way. And uh, so, I just think it's a it's a better way than the current system. Well, the Celtics, look at Celtics. all that luck and fortune you had when you were you were picking number five. Well, Celtics had that also with Lynn Bias, though. Good fortune. Right, that's exactly. Celtics had that when they got Lynn Bias. I mean, here's right. a team that was the best team in the world. All of a sudden, they get probably the best player in the draft. So yeah, sometimes right. it just works nice. against you, and then sometimes it works for you. Well, he died. I mean, there was nothing. But I you know, had he lived, he could for, have been a great player. Thank you and, for that memo, and, sir. And it would have carried on a powerhouse team, maybe yes. the best team in the league, it, for another three or four years. It would have helped Larry. Right. It would have helped Kevin. And I know you're all about helping Larry. Career. I know right. that. So, yeah, Danny, if you were a commissioner for a day, what would you do with the officials? Hey, I think our officials are doing all right. We need, to, um, we need to focus on what we need to do. I'm not just saying that politically. Listen, I watch games all over the world and a lot of basketball. You know, I think in general, you know, I, I wish we could get them all right. And, you know, we're sort of getting to that way in football where you replay all the big plays and in baseball. Uh, now you replay different things, and you and you get to watch every ball and strike and be critical of it. But overall, I think our officials have not been have not been a reason why any team has won and lost. All right, is it a the toughest game because you've played all these different sports and two of them on a professional level? Is it the toughest game to officiate? People keep on bringing up the NHL, but let's face it: how many? It's a contact sport, and you're able to to bang into the other guy. You're able to hit the other guy. There are a few penalties during the course of the game. If you look at an NBA game, how many fouls are called during the course of the game? So there's so many more decisions to ha- that have to be made. Is that part of the perceptual problem out there and that it's just an impossible game to call? Well, a difficult game to call. I think that's not impossible because, you know, they get most of them, most of the calls right. But what I think that hurts the officials is standing so close to the action. I mean, you can see some things, but it's much easier to see plays happen from 15 rows up almost. And uh, so I've sometimes wondered if we had, and I don't know how you do this, but referees almost sitting in like they do volleyball referees chairs. You can see the game so much more. The players aren't in your way. Good point. That's that's the problem is the fans 
can see things a lot of times better than where the referees are standing. You know what? That That's a great point because if you remember our old broadcast location, I don't know if you remember it, Max, it was in mm-hmm. that first level of the old Boston Garden. I thought that was the greatest view. You could see absolutely everything. You weren't too far away from the action, but you were far enough where you could see everything. You get down on the floor – Guys block you off. You can't see stuff Dan, down Dan, the floor. That's Dan, a good point. Danny, one but, but thing. Not only, but not only, not only that, Glenn, but the, the closeness to it, you can't see the peripheral either. You're, right. you're so tight, you can't see the wide angle. Yeah. And so you, you can't see everything that happens. That's why officials get so, much, so fooled on flops. Because if you try to make a call with your peripheral vision, so you can see a, a play happen with your peripheral vision, but you can't you can't see what exactly happened if you're trying to make and I think that's what referees do too much they try to make calls with their peripheral vision and you can't see if you're not looking right at a screen if a guy's swapping or holding you can just see somebody falling down hey, why don't you, I think that's a big problem why don't you ask the officials if they want to go up to the ninth floor tonight <laughs> <laughs> Danny one of, one of the things we saw that it, it keeps happening in the game and I'm not sure how you fix this is that they've allowed the coaches now to call timeout uh, from the bench. Well, when the play is at the other end of the floor, like it was in, on the south end of the floor, uh, like it was against Miami, and Doc Rivers was trying to call timeout from the bench, he lost about three or four seconds in that transaction. How are they going – how can you fix that? Well, because the officials know, are – Maybe if you had a buzzer, but I got a feeling that Doc might push that buzzer a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, I think you know that's a challenge. But you know, as a coach, you got to communicate to the official. That's just another guy to communicate to. But you know, typically in, in the history of the game, you've had to communicate that to your players. And when they go by you, oftentimes they don't see the coach yelling for timeout. So the system now is a little bit better, but it's still not perfect. You know, I can defend just back to the officials for a second. I can defend them on not being able to see all the time or making mistakes, as you pointed out, when the game is fast and the players are bigger and stronger than ever before. But my problem with them, Danny, is is things like in, in game one, Ray Allen, who, is, who is, is not the most demonstrative guy on the court, doesn't like a call, which was a bad call. He turns away, he says, man, or something, and he gets a technical, or Doc gets a technical for saying, come on, Eddie. I mean... That, that has nothing to do with the size of the court and angle. That's more judgment and decision-making, isn't it? Yeah, but, but you guys are taking things, you know, one play at a time instead of, like, taking the whole game. An official, if there's a lot of – Max, Max knows this. I mean, you can yell you get away with a lot the first time you yell. You get away with a lot the second and third time you yell. <laughs> and the, the fifth time you yell, you get away with a lot less. Yeah, and that's so true. and and so you know it, it's all about the whole game and how it's being officiated and what communication's been going on the entire game to the different people and so referees are human and you know you you do too much you're gonna get you're gonna it's gonna happen. All right, Danny. Uh, good luck here tonight. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Good talking with you. See you tonight. Right. Okay, Danny. Bye, bye. Danny Ainge brought to you by SBLI and by Comcast Business Class. Switch to Comcast Business Class for Internet, Voice, and TV solutions. Don't wait. Call 800-391-3000 to switch right now. All right, 617-779-0850, 888 It's your turn. We go to the phone calls next here on The Big Show. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. 
And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.